Hello, and welcome into the Ringerverse from the Ringer. My name is Mallory Rubin. And I'm Van Latham. Mal, before we get started, does anyone want to know what the Ringerverse is? The Ringerverse is one podcast feed with multiple shows on all things superheroes, nerd culture, and fandom entertainment. Instant reactions to new releases, theory breakdowns, fun takes on the latest news, and more. Whether you're a casual fan or an obsessive like us, our shows are worthy of all your fandom needs. So head to the Ringerverse and follow the show now on Spotify. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I'm here with Danny Kelly and Craig Korlbeck. Last week, we did the Adam Schefter free agency drinking game. And now it's the free agency hangover. It's like, you know, it's, it's like the NFL version of like all the teams are gathered around for brunch the next day or breakfast, and they're hungover and eating bagels. And they're just like, what happened last night? Yeah. yeah. Danny McBride wearing a neck brace, bloodied, his ear is gone. <laughs> That's the Raiders. Just eating breakfast, like maybe dying and then coming back to life. Well, you mean like this is the end when he's eating all the food? <laughs> like, guys, I made breakfast. We've all been there. It's actually the best. I think that's like the best part of going out is is hanging out the next morning and just be and like going back over like everything funny that happened that last night. The fact that the next day after drinking, you feel bad, but you still yearn for those days shows you how fun it can be sometimes. <laughs> well, it's like they say that drinking is like you're robbing the happiness of tomorrow. Mm, to have yeah. it today. And mm-hmm. then like the the breakfast the next day, that vibe is like the edge of the happiness you've stolen. And then later there will be like anxiety and sadness and all those things. But it's like the yeah. last, and everyone knows it's about <laughs> to happen. So you're just all experiencing the last gasp of happiness together. Anyway, <laughs> that's kind of what's happening in free agency right now because it started yeah. out with all these big deals. And then you can kind of like now soberly reflect. So with that said, we've kind of went out and you know, take a week-long big-picture view and look at what these teams just did and just, what do we do? Assign them all, like, little traits of, like, which person they were at the party last night? Tropes. Yeah, like, night-out tropes. Yeah, <laughs> night-out tropes. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, I, I'll i go first because I'm the angriest sure. person. <laughs> I'm just upset. So, starting with the Giants. Yeah. And I said that the Giants were the person who drunkenly ordered bottle service. <laughs> yeah, they, they got the stimulus check and were like, we're doing bottle service. Let's do it. It's like the person has like the $300 bottle of Don Julio and you're like, dude, that's $55 at Costco. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? It's like, it's like you paid $18 million for Kenny Gallon. It's like, you know, the Bears offered him like 11, right? Like, who are you? And that's it. Like, no one else was going to give him more than maybe 13, 14. Gettleman loves, loves going, like he loves 
bargaining against himself or whatever. What what is it like? Uh, well, no. So, so Kenny got so just the deals they gave out. They gave Kenny, and th these are the real deals. These are like when you cut out the fake years. Kenny Galladay got three years for fifty four million, so eighteen million a year. It's like Tyree Kill money. Kyrie Kyle Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, two years, twelve million. John Ross, which this one's fine, it's a year for two million. Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman, got two years for forty five million, basically. Which what? And then Adoree Jackson, cornerback. Got three years, $39 million. He was cut like three days ago. So I have a theory here. I figured it out. I figured out the Dave Gettleman era. <laughs> he's yeah. a good scout. But when it comes to like what players are worth, he's Lucille Bluth. You know, like the rest of the development, <laughs> Lucille Bluth, like, what could Don't. a banana cost? $10? Like, that's <laughs> Dave Gettleman? <laughs> he's never been to the grocery store. No, it's Hello. like he knows Kenny Galladay's good. He has no idea what the price <laughs> of a good player is. Do you think Gettleman feels good right now? Like, you know, sometimes yeah. the guy who the guy who buys bottle services often feels pretty good that night. Even the next day, he's like, fuck yeah. Like, I was the guy who bought bottle <laughs> I service. I was a baller. Such a baller. Everybody came to my table. I yeah. have Kenny Galladay. <laughs> I have Leonard Williams. Okay, oh my so God. my actual feeling on this as a Giants fan is here's mm. where I've come to. I think Dave Gettleman and the Giants think that this is like when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. And they're going to make Daniel Jones, Josh Allen. Because all this is about Daniel Jones. Everything Giants yeah. right now is about Daniel Jones. And there's two paths for Daniel Jones. There's what the Bills did with Josh Allen last year, which is he's like this guy who's flash potential, but has been like pretty terrible. And then they get Stephon Diggs in and he goes from like the worst deep ball passer in the NFL to like the best one. Mm. And then he go, you know, has like the biggest single season improvement and completion percentage ever. And I think that's what the Giants kind of want with Daniel Jones because he's entering year three. But I also think that the flip side is there's also like the Allen Robinson comp, which is this is actually the Bears and Allen Robinson. You go out and grade a great receiver. Turns out Allen Robinson's great and Mitchell Trubisky sucks. And all that Allen Robinson did was highlight just how bad Mitchell Trubisky was. And I would hope that Daniel Jones has some like top five resurgence in him. He's actually really good. I'm more concerned he's just Mitchell Trubisky and this is a front office just doubling down on a mistake. And to me, the best case scenario here is that this team's good enough that they like give Daniel Jones a massive contract extension, which is that even a good thing? So I'm no, wait, that is, that is, I think that's the worst case scenario. That's what I'm I saying. Think. It's like, it's like the, <laughs> through the looking glass, the best case scenario for these signings is terrible for the franchise. Cause I don't believe in Daniel Jones. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause you just don't want to be a no man's land, right? Like you basically, ideally you either want him to become Josh Allen or you need him to just absolutely bottom out that they... Yeah, and get rid of him. Like, Trubisky was so bad that they're like, well, we can't have him. The worst thing is when you're in the middle. It's quarterback yes. purgatory where you convinced he's the guy, but he's not. And here's the thing. I want to be wrong. I obviously want him to be elite. But I don't think it's going to happen. And so the worst case thing is putting up just enough scaffolding to prop him up. But in reality, you want a building. You want a long-term building with no scaffolding. And so this is good. It's good for the offense. Kenny Galladay's a number one. The Giants have a sea of number twos. Darius Slayton's a good number two. Sterling Shepard's a good number two. Evan Ingram's an annoying number two. But like Galladay's a number one. But Jones is not the guy. And all of this is just to prop up this guy who's not the guy. I think that it's such an interesting point, though, at least from a fantasy point of view, um, the fit. Because I think when, when I first heard that Galladay was signed by the Giants, I was not excited about that from a fantasy point of view. Like my initial reaction was just, Ugh. like I, that that offense. You don't want to be a part of it. Like I don't have a ton of faith in Daniel Jones. But like Hyfe, it's exactly like you said, man. Last year, I had the exact same impression about Stefan Diggs getting traded to the Bills, and look what they did. You know, they become 
one of the past happiest teams in the NFL. They spread the ball out. They've got, uh, you know, Josh Allen completely turns his career around or whatever. Not not career around. I mean, he has like his greatest year ever. Looks like a really good quarterback and and you know completely changed the narrative. I could. There's a universe in which I could see this happening with Daniel Jones. I'm glad there's one universe you can see. <laughs> The, yeah, it's like, like what it, Doctor Strange says. Exactly, in like just the there, like, like, one, <laughs> going through all the million. permutations. <laughs> but I mean, like from a from a point of view of team building, look, the Diggs thing made perfect sense. Go get the guy who's really good deep. The Galladay thing does make a lot of sense, like schematically, stylistically. Daniel Jones is kind of a YOLO ball type of guy. Like he'll just throw the ball into traffic, doesn't care. That's where Galladay excels. He's a catch point guy, deep ball guy. In theory, this actually kind of does fit and could bring the best out of Daniel Jones. To me, the, the concern really is just Jones being able to cut down on like stupid mistakes in the pocket. Not necessarily where he's throwing the ball, just stop fumbling four times a game. You know, stop getting stripped. He has, it's almost like he has negative awareness in the pocket. And so I don't know if Galladay helps that. And, it, and it's going to be enough to like completely change the, the Giants offense. But I will say, for all the praise that we heaped upon the Bills this past year for identifying a, a big weakness and going out and addressing it, I think this does address a, a big need for the Giants. And so, um, at least from that point of view, it, I, it does. It's a good signing. You know, it's it's very confusing because you can almost make the argument for both sides at the same time and argue that what else can you do? Like, yes, you should try and put the best offense around your quarterback, and the Giants will probably have the best offense they've had with yeah. Daniel Jones. But also, it doesn't make sense because by getting all of this talent, you're putting this veil over his actual skill, yeah. and you're confusing us because now we won't know if he's actually good or not. So it's like— It's like the Andy Dalton thing. I think that Josh Allen—I've said this before. I think he's done more for the Bills and what he's caused other franchises to do and hope for in their quarterbacks <laughs> than he has actually helped the Bills with his play. Right. Like Josh Allen was bad for two years and like he turned around and now everyone's doing the yes, same thing. Yes, and now the, the Giants are like, oh, great. Like the Bills got digs. Let's get Galladay. Let's freaking, let's do it. Even though, Hyph, it's one other point I wanted to bring up. The Giants O-line. It's not good. Let's, so here's, here's how I feel. It's funny how isn't like- that, Isn't that number one? Isn't that priority number one in making your quarterback well, better? Yes, but- it's funny how like life is framing and the rest of this Giants for the, as the rest till we get to the 21-21 season, there will be people who are in on this team for real life and for fantasy and people who are not. And the people who are in are going to lead with Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, yeah. Evan Engram, John Ross. And the people who are out on the Giants are going to lead with Jason Garrett yeah. coaching Daniel Jones on a team built by Dave Gettleman. And it's like those two things are together. It's like this yin and yang. And but the missing party is exactly what Craig said. The offensive line, I think Andrew Thomas is going to be, I think he'll be all right as a tackle. But it's a little like swapping out Kevin Zeitler and then using that money to, on the outside. Like it's not awesome. I, I assume they're going to draft a lot of linemen and I'm going to like withhold judgment on the line. I'm assuming that they will come out with like at least two offensive linemen and I'll be pretty upset if they don't. But yeah, it's not a strength. I think what upsets me is that, to your point, Craig, it's not a bad thing to make the quarterback's job easier, but I also feel that this is actually what happened to the Giants five years ago when Jerry Reese, the previous GM, was on his way out, needed the team to get better, spent a bunch in free agency. They were better for one year, and then the team imploded. And what did mm -hmm. they do? It convinced them, basically, to invest three more years into Eli Manning than they really should have because 
the GM was like, well, I'm going to get fired anyway. The Jets did that with Mike McCagden. He spent like $100 million of guaranteed money, and then they fired him. And it's like, well, it's not my money. Lame duck GMs are not good. Like, that's bad news. That's my fear is that Gettle, the team's bad. Gettleman gets fired. And then the new GM comes in and is like, I didn't want Kenny Galladay. And like, I hope it's good. I hope I'm wrong. But like, like I don't Le'Veon know. Feels, Bell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly like Le'Veon Bell. Bottom line, though. Are you guys going to be like buyers of Galladay and drafts this year? Just to give you some context before you answer that, I want to give you some context. So last year, he only played five weeks. He averaged 14.3 and half PPR, which is good for wide receiver 20. In 2019, weirdly enough, he was the wide receiver six, averaging 13.5 PPR points per game. So he actually averaged less, but he was just higher ranked. So... I think to me, his sort of ceiling is obviously a, a wide receiver one. I would say maybe like a the wide receiver 10 overall, wide receiver eight, maybe go as high as five. But then like his 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 more reasonable, I guess, like outcome, it would be like somewhere around 15 to 20. Wouldn't you think? Yes. I think the Giants are going to be one of the hottest fantasy topics this yeah. season. I think it's, it's going to be a really good year. There's a lot of red meat to kind of go over. But I think, I mean, the fact that Galladay's ceiling is wide receiver six with Stafford. He's I my guess right now, even though it's March, is gonna be that Galladay's gonna get overrated because he got mm-hmm. a big contract and the offense looks sexy and he's gonna be put in a category in a tier with wide receivers that he doesn't belong to be with and he should be in the one below it. That's my guess. Yep. I think that's probably right. I think it'll be a better fantasy team than real life because 50-50 balls sound cool and then no one remembers what about the other 50% for your real life team when they're turning. You know what I mean? Like no one ever talks about the other 50. But okay. So enough about my pain and misery. Why don't you talk about your pain and misery? Or are you guys happy with your teams? I don't even know what the deal is with you. <laughs> um, I don't really know where I am with the Steelers. They're next up here. So the Steelers resigning Juju and their their kind of free agency week is kind of like, especially with Juju, it's like the guy who just keeps calling his ex when he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's Juju. He took oh less God. money to go back to Pittsburgh. It's true though, like, <laughs> We talked about this two weeks ago, how Juju just wants to go back and is posting on Instagram and all this stuff. It's just not ready to move on. Yeah, he's like he's like so eager to come back. You know, he's like your little brother. He like wakes you up at 7 a.m. on Saturday. He's like, hey, what are we doing today? Like, we hanging out? And you're like, Jesus, dude, chill, all right? God, it's 7 a.m. Like, I guess. I guess we can hang out. We give him one year, $8 million. He could have gotten more somewhere else. The Ravens wanted him. The Chiefs wanted him. I'm fine with it. I, I don't think he's... I don't think we overpaid for him, certainly. Mm -hmm. I think the Steelers are going to be a sneaky bet to finish under 500 next year. I think they could get second to last in the AFC North. However, with Juju specifically, this sucks because Deontay and Chase Claypool's ceilings are now absolutely capped. And I think there's a strong chance Juju is once again right up there with Deontay in targets. I think the same season could happen again. Ben can't throw the ball past eight yards. And Juju is the guy to catch all of those passes. Juju had like 130 targets last year. And um, the Steelers' offensive line is even worse. So I can't see them holding onto the ball any longer. So I, I don't think this is great. I have a question about the the Steelers' receiver core. Are we getting gaslit that Juju <laughs> was bad? You know what I mean? Like, it feels to me, looking back at the stats, so I actually looked this up. Juju finished as the wide receiver 18 in 2020. Two spots ahead of Deontay Johnson and five spots ahead of Chase Claypool. I understand. Well, that's that PPR, Claypool, though. That's, that's this PPR. is half PPR. Half PPR. That's because he had like 94 catches, all of which were two yards downfield. Okay, but this is a fantasy show. And we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Deontay missed a game or two because of injury. Claypool got started late because he was yeah, a rookie. Right. So I understand that. I understand that. And I, and that's the actual kind of, I fantasy think, relevant portion, he was vastly outproduced. That is, that's the context that's necessary. But at the same time, I mean, he finished ahead of those two guys. He was. I the, understand what you're he saying. He was the top receiver, technically speaking, on that team. I don't think Juju's bad. I think Juju yeah. is an above average slot wide receiver. That's but, it. All right, Juju in general, this whole conversation is bizarre. Like, Juju is one of the more famous players in the entire NFL. And name recognition goes beyond even NFL fans. Like, he's literally a character in Fortnite that you can play. <laughs> Does he have the largest gap between fame and skill in the NFL? That's exactly what I was going to say. He In any sport, not just football. Like, oh. he's not that... I mean, he's good. He's an above-average player. But he's probably, among non-quarterbacks, a top-five famous non non quarterback and like but he's not that good and most of the time when that happens it's because a player used to be good has gotten worse he's like 25 he's 24 years old what is an example where another 24 year old guy who's famous enough to probably be among the top five non quarterbacks just goes back to his team for one year and eight million dollars and his in his own fans are like yeah <laughs> it's, it's weird it's a weird situation it is legitimately like a guy who keeps drunk calling his ex. Like, it is exactly <laughs> that. And the next morning, everyone's like, dude, you got to get over it. Go somewhere else. There are greener pastures out there. And he's like, no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just think it's weird. I think that, and honestly, I think part of it's that he basically did not perform on the outside when Antonio Brown left. And that was disappointing. And he got hurt too, so it's whatever. And I obviously the slot stuff isn't great. I also think that, the TikTok stuff actually hurt him. That's, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm saying it's real. I do think that teams with limited Dude, budgets, old school, old school football guys. Oh yeah. Yes, I, I really think it mattered, and I'm not saying it's fair or not. Pete Carroll not down with Juju. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other thing I think that we have to mention here that's very important to this whole thing is the cap shrinking. This off season is a huge mm -hmm. factor in a lot of this stuff. In fact. It was a pretty huge surprise going back to Gettleman bidding against himself. It was yeah, kind of a huge surprise that Galladay got what he got because no other receivers are even in the same zip code. In fact, and no. Juju is basically what he's doing here is, look, the cap is going to explode next year. we got this new TV deal, billions and billions of dollars of revenue for the league and for teams. The cap is going to explode. And everyone's going to get paid out the wazoo next year. So I'm just going to come back I don't have to learn a new offense. I don't have to learn chemistry with a new quarterback. I'm just going to take a one-year deal, make my guaranteed money, and then cash out. Plus, he's young. He's like I also think he loves Pittsburgh. three or four years younger than Galladay, even though yes. they're like on the same year of their career or whatever. It's closer to four years than three. Yeah. So he he's basically. I think what he's doing is actually, you know, it doesn't look great, but it's it's savvy enough because I don't think he has to learn any new offense. He doesn't have to go through the the change in team, change in culture. He can just come back, do his thing, hopefully get like another 100 targets and then parlay that into a big contract next year. Well, and you know what's funny? We're so in the player empowerment era and we're in the like get your fucking money era that like 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we'd be like, wow, good for this guy. Wants to stick with his team, wants to ride <laughs> it out. Now we're like, what the fuck is this? He wants to come back? What a loser. He took less money. I think it's weird that <laughs> he took less money to come back and his own fans are like, yeah. And it's like, he loves them. And that's why it's the X thing. It's like, the fans aren't even happy about him. Everyone's like, like, we should have just re-signed Bud Dupree. Remember, they're looking at the photo of him three years ago with the bike. And like, oh my God, his bike was stolen. And then he's on Monday Night Football pretending to ride the bike. And it's and like, now like, it's oh like, shit, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are here? Yeah, we don't need you. That's the thing. You got tossed to the side. So, 
I also think he realized that you don't get in Fortnite if you play for the Arizona Cardinals. That's like a Steelers-Cowboys-Packers thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. He's too young for the Cardinals. We'll get to that later. Yeah, well. DK, how's your team? What's up with All you? All right, so we'll do the Russell Wilson allegedly considering Chicago as one of the suitors is sort of like... The dude who goes out and just posts on social media all night, like him hanging out with new people to, to just make your ex <laughs> jealous kind of deal. Yes. Um, basically, Wilson manipulated the situation here. And, and I feel bad for the, for the Bears and the Bears fans specifically because, you know, now they're just not going to have Russell Wilson, even though I think that a lot of people got their hopes up for that. Regardless, Russell Wilson staying with Seattle. Um it's probably good for fantasy purposes. And I actually went back and I feel like Russell Wilson, even though, you know, the offense completely fell apart last during the second half of the last season, Russell Wilson remains sort of a fantasy stalwart at the quarterback position. In fact, he's been a quarterback one every single year of his career. He's been in the top five, six out of the nine years. So I think nothing really is going to change there. I do actually feel a little bit bullish about this offense going forward with Shane Waldron coming in. Um, I kind of like what he's going to... I have In my mind, what he's going to do with this offense I think is going to be exciting. Um, they did go out and sign Gerald Everett, which I think is a, a good move. They re-signed Chris Carson over the weekend, which, you know, it's not a game-changer necessarily, but it, it sounds like Russell Wilson pushed for this. Um, he's a hard runner. You know, gives them a good one-two punch with, Chris, uh, with Penny, Rashad Penny. And so, I don't know. I think, you know, it's it's... Oh, and they also traded for Gabe Jackson, so they improved their offensive line. So I think all things considered, Wilson sort of like flirting with other people actually kind of worked. Like the Seahawks did some stuff. <laughs> he got all dressed up. He went out to the bungalow. He hung out with some Bachelor stars, took a couple IGs. Pete yeah. Carroll's like, all right. Well, the Bears just think they have a shot, and you're like, yeah, you're literally just here for a photo op. You don't even understand. But DK just, as an aside, is like they also improved the O-line. That's what Russell Wilson wanted them to do. And That's they traded for Gabe Jackson yeah. to be their guard. So should Russell Wilson, like, stop complaining now? Should he just go back to being happy? Is this enough? No, because I think the squeaky wheel gets the grease, ultimately, and he has to keep pressing his, uh, you know, he has to keep pressing his case. I think he's, he, I think maybe not keep complaining for the rest of the offseason, but, like, he has to stay on him throughout the rest of his time in Seattle, I would say. I think an underrated part of this is that Pete Carroll is, like, the most powerful coach in the NFL. And like we don't really think of him that, and like you know, he's obviously, the, you know, he's John Schneider's boss. It's just he's kind John of a Schneider's weird... boss, and there's not really an owner situation there because Paul Allen mm -hmm. passed away, and then I think the Harden went to his sister, right? And I don't yeah, know if she necessarily Jody. cares about the team. It's a little, yeah, it's a little unclear or ambiguous exactly how involved Jody is with the team. I, I know that uh, Paul Allen wasn't necessarily like you know pulling the the strings in sense of like what what they're doing with their roster, but he is, he was known as a well, a relatively informed, active owner who would like check in, you know, every week or whatever and, and ask about what's happening, what they're doing and all that stuff. He was more involved with the Blazers from what I understand. Like he was actually being like their draft room and shit like that, but he personally traded Will Barton and Dame Lillard was upset. <laughs> um, but he wasn't, I don't think he was that involved with the Seahawks, but the bottom line is you're right. It's the the, uh, the ownership thing. Basically, there's this question like, can it, who's going to fire Pete Carroll? <laughs> you know that's what, I that's mean? what I'm saying. It's, he's low-key, unfireable. Yeah, so I think that was <laughs> that was another reason probably that Wilson felt that he needed to, uh, I guess, you like figure out a way to have some agency with the direction the team is going. Um, 
you know, because Pete Carroll basically at this point doesn't really answer to anybody. They just signed him to a new like four or five year deal. He's not going anywhere. Well, he answers to Craig. Craig's the producer of Flying Coach. He answers Absolutely. to Craig. Absolutely. Right, go. Craig? Yes. He texted me about Gerald Everett, which. <laughs> like, what do you think about Gabe Jackson? We're thinking for a fourth. And you're like, no, nah, hold out for a fifth. Before we get to our next hungover team, I'm buying tons of Gerald Everett stock for 2021. Yeah. I really? love Gerald Everett. I, like I want this. Gerald Everett. Yeah, I'm into I'm gonna it. Be, he's going to be one of my guys, one of my early guys and buying stock, getting it out there. I don't mind that. Uh, I like that. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Okay, next one up. <laughs> Everything the Raiders did, we just have as, as you know, Gaia blacked out. And it's just like, what? <laughs> I did what last night? I signed no. Kenyon Drake? Why did I do that? <laughs> Wait, don't we still have Josh Jacobs, right? You're trying to call your credit card company and be like, it was fraud. It was fraud. It was stolen. I didn't take out $400 from this ATM. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, I, so there's so many weird things that they did. But the thing, the Kenyon Drake one. So they gave him two-year deal for $11 million. Eight and a half million guaranteed at signing, which is running back. I don't want to be like unheard of, but like, this is crazy. Because it's like, Josh Jacobs should demand a trade. Josh Jacobs is a first-round pick. So you could be he like, this is a backup running back should. getting a lot of money. Or they're just admitting they just that got the rid of the entire offensive running back. line, too. Wait, we got rid of our line? We this signed is, a running back? <laughs> they literally maybe blacked out and made all of these Do you decisions. guys know that episode of It's Always Sunny? When Frank like flushes his shirt because he's nervous and anxious and then like <laughs> doesn't have a shirt, so he just paints a shirt onto himself? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking of with this Kenya Drake thing because it's like they <laughs> threw away literally they they traded away the last week their right tackle their right guard and their center and then used the money to get a running back <laughs> and it's like they painted on the run it's like what are they doing what are the odds that the Las Vegas Raiders are just like a Nathan for you bit that's going to be going on for like three years <laughs> just, <laughs> that Mike Mayock is just being paid by Nathan Fielder I would love nothing more if he just revealed like Nathan Fielder's just been running the Raiders. I this is so speaking of unfireable, he has the coach contracts unlike player contracts are guaranteed. So Gruden signs 10 years for hundred million dollars. He's getting it. And here's the thing: Mark Davis isn't like rich. It's like you think the NFL's 32 billionaires. It's actually 30 because the Packers don't have an owner. And Mark Davis isn't a billionaire. It's like the Raiders are the family business for the Davises. Mark Davis is only worth like 500 million. And John Gruden's gonna get a hundred million. So it's Jesus. like they're kind of on the same level. And like, here's here, but here's a little fact for you. John, I mentioned last week, John Gruden's 64 and 80 since winning the Super Bowl, which is 
a winning percentage Bad. of 44, 44 <laughs> percent. Yeah. You know, Ben McAdoo, the Giants coach, was winning. He won 46 percent of his games. Man. So since winning the Super Bowl, John Gruden's been worse than Ben McAdoo. Man. So what you're saying is Ben McAdoo deserves $100 million. <laughs> how many years right. How many years left are, are on uh, Gruden's Seven. Contract? He has seven, seven years left. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Speaking, though, of, Ken, of not Kenny Drake, of Josh Jacobs, because this really is the biggest factor, this I think, is in, crazy. This, in this move is, do they just hate Josh Jacobs? What is the deal here? Because when I watched him in college, when he was at Alabama, one of his strengths to me was he's a really good pass catcher. There, I remember this one play specifically where he ran this vertical route down the field. They threw it, I think, two of, threw the ball. He like looked over his right shoulder, saw the ball was going the other way, so he turned his shoulder the other way, caught it in stride, scored a touchdown. It was like this really badass play. And I'm like, this guy has a chance to be so good in the NFL because he brings that pass catching skill. And then they completely just like took that out of his game. I mean, he had 27 targets in 13 games as a rookie, which is two per game. 45 targets last year in 15 games, which is approximately three per game. For reference, Christian McCaffrey has averaged almost eight targets per game in his career. Kamara, seven targets a game. Saquon, six and a half targets a game. So more than double what Jacobs is getting. He's never going to be a high-end running back one if he doesn't get involved in the passing game. And they just like took his knees out from under him because they they got rid of his entire offensive line. So it's just ridiculous. While on a rookie deal... Yeah, he's twenty three years old, and they bring in twenty seven year old Kenyon Drake. I just, I have they drafted him in the first round. What are they doing? <laughs> Mike Lombardi called this when Gruden was hired because Lombardi worked with Gruden like the first time in Oakland, and he said when he got hired, Gruden has he just gets bored with his players. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm serious. Like he just get he's like eventually there's problems, and there isn't so much being like I'm the problem. It's more like these guys aren't doing enough. And so there's this shuffling, and that's you already see, like, when they traded away Khalil Mack, he was like, you know, if we had kept Mack and paid him, we couldn't have had Tyrell Williams and Nelson Aguilar and and LaMarcus Joyner. It's like, meanwhile, all of those guys are already gone. Like, his free agent classes, he's already cycled through. Those guys are gone. He, I, I mean, he's basically missed 80% of the important draft picks and signings he's made in his first three off-seasons. And now he, and he just keeps getting bored, and it's... So you have this bizarre situation where, honestly, if you just blind resume looked at his personal track record, probably bottom three GM performance of the last three years, but he's literally on a seven-year, $70 million remaining contract. John Brown, though. Do you think John Brown factors in into, into any of this? I don't think it matters, really, in this discussion. I'm just curious, like... Who, Mike Mayock? How, how much power does Mayock have and is... is Gruden, the guy that's just basically making all these calls. I'm very curious about how that works. No, it's like what you said with Pete Carroll and John Schneider. It's like he does all the work, but like Pete Carroll hired John Schneider. It's like Mike Mayock's not doing anything that John Gruden doesn't want. Like it's John Gruden's in charge. The Seahawks have always, basically from the beginning, it's it's basically been Schneider sets the buffet and then Pete Carroll (laughs) picks out what he's going to eat kind of deal. I don't think it's, I don't think it really works like that, like at all times, but at the end of the day, Carroll has the final say, and I, it's I mean, it's absolutely the same for the Raiders. So it just doesn't seem, yeah. I mean, the, the Raiders guy who blacked out, I think that's perfect. Just doesn't make any sense what they're doing. I think this is one of those where it's like you wake up and you're just like, like you black out and you're like, oh, I guess I can't drink gin, and it's like I think you just can't drink. Period. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> okay. What's next? All right. So in the sober light of day here, the New England Patriots. Deluge of signings. <laughs> Deluge. Kind of, 
Deluge. What is that? Kind of gives deluge? the vibes of a uh, of a recently divorced guy's first night out in ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has experienced going out with that guy. I think at this point in their life, he's just on the apps for the first time. You're like, oh my god. He gets divorced. His wife immediately marries the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and he's like, okay, it's go time. <laughs> He's swiping right at a ridiculous pace. He's buying everybody drinks. He's having the best time. He's having what he thinks is the best night of his life. Um, and in reality, it's just kind of a mess. <laughs> the The actual list of the moves they made is hilarious because it's like it's just like a block of text. It's not even bullets. It's like it's like a full clip. It's like a banana magazine. It's like insane. <laughs> the actual list is. Cam Newton, I'm not going to read the numbers because my God, yeah. Cam Newton, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, Matt Judon, Jalen Mills, Cal Van Noy. They traded uh, traded for Trent Brown, traded away Marcus Cannon, and they re-signed Dietrich Wise and, and they re-signed David Andrews. And honestly, there's like six more I didn't list. I was going to say, I feel like long. there's a few more in there. That there's like seven too. more and I just like was tired of typing, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Have you ever heard of copy and paste, Ivitz? But I, well... <laughs> Just instead of typing, you I'm not a copy and paster, TK. Okay, like I actually do my own work, <laughs> okay. get my own original oh. thoughts. Speaking of which, I had there's, so Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, spoke to Peter King for his column this week, and it's just funny because you don't, you don't usually ever have owners like just explaining decisions they made like a couple days after they do it for like free agency or something. And <laughs> two quotes stood out to me. He said, "I do remember we always made fun of the teams that spent a lot in the off season." And I was like, I just thought that was hilarious <laughs> I, to just out. I do remember that. that. <laughs> it was like we crafted like Belichick just laughing at like the Jets. Like, yeah, we used to make fun of all those recently divorced guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did do no, that. It's us. That is correct, yes. And then he said, he said, we had the second, I mean, this was his actual rationale, which was interesting. He compared it to the stock market. He said, we had the second or third most cap room at the start of free agency. This year, instead of having 10 or 12 teams competing for most of the top players, there were only two or three. Which makes sense in a vacuum, right? Like that there's fewer people bidding, get cheaper players, market inefficiency. But they didn't get any deals. That's what I'm confused about. Like You could argue they got ripped off. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's kind of like the guy at the bar is like, yeah, no one's in line. But it's like, that doesn't mean the drinks are cheaper. You paid $11 million to Nelson Aguilar. If there were 10 more teams bidding, that's still going to be the most anyone was bidding. <laughs> the, the receiver contracts especially look suspect to me having said that bob Kraft is literally a billionaire and i'm not so maybe he knows something i don't <laughs> so we should leave it like a little sliver of daylight that maybe he's never right. never appeal to authority i i like i like trying to just you know pick holes in all their logic so don't worry about that but again it's like the john smith and hunter henry like the four highest paid tight ends are gonna be travis kelsey kittle john smith hunter henry like they didn't get any discounts here yeah it, it's weird yeah, they're not going to win the NFC or the AFC East either. So, ooh, but you know, for the years with Brady, they won the AFC East at a higher rate than Michael Jordan made free throws. Yeah, uh, you know, what? I don't know if that's that crazy. Okay, how about this? Technically, they actually <laughs> they actually won the AFC East more effectively than condoms prevent pregnancies. That that's better. <laughs> that's crazy. let's go with that one. There you go. <laughs> Nicely done. Seventeen of nineteen. Okay. All right. All right. Morning after. Who's next? All right, so I'm going with the Dolphins signing Will Fuller, which mm. for the big night out trope, this is the guy, this is the team who alternated, you know, having a glass of water between each beer. You know, <laughs> yeah. very, very reasonable. Okay. You know, they're not going to overdo it. Uh-uh. It's a one-year, one-year, uh, one $11 million deal. Very reasonable. Yeah, listen, we got work on Monday. You can't go crazy. When I think of Miami, I think about being very reasonable and responsible. <laughs> Especially right? in the last week. Everything's yeah, exactly. been really chill there. Just everyone, yeah. Great decision making. 
Yeah, they just they didn't do anything crazy. They got Justin Coleman on a really reasonable one year, three million dollar deal after you know, like a couple of years after he signed one of the biggest slot corner deals in the NFL, flamed out in Detroit, and then you know they kind of just picked him up. Really reasonable deal. Basically, the Dolphins just had a really low key free agency, did a good job, had a good time, but didn't go too crazy. And and this is what Warren Sharp points out is these are the teams that five years from now we will look back on and say they did the best job. They were a responsible responsible team. And they feel great about it the next day. And they bought all their drinks during happy hour. Like they show, yes. they bought it like seven oh one, and then they got two more drinks at seven fifty nine. Spent no money, but got four drinks out of it. No <laughs> after party. They went home in the first round of Ubers. They yeah. told their friend, "I'll get the next round," and then just never did. You know, <laughs> savvy move. I'll get the next one, man. Uh, actually, I'm going oh, to go home. Yeah. <laughs> I got a thing and like Uber the surge. Oh, we got like, Will Fuller. Yeah, I'm gonna head out. Thank yeah, you. Gonna, this uh, is the guy who refuses to get Vedmo on his phone because he doesn't want fucking of narcos. people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, where are you drafting Will Fuller next year? Yeah, I think I'm excited about I'm excited about Fuller, but not nearly at the same hype level I was for last year. Just because I don't have as much faith in this offense, the quarterback situation is still a little bit up in the air, like, is Tua going to be a guy that airs it out, pushes the ball vertically a lot, is very aggressive. Like, the biggest problem with Tua last year was his lack of aggressiveness. And I don't know if he had, he didn't have that at Alabama, so maybe he was just, you know, trying not to mess up, trying to be very careful, you know, the in the NFL. Nick Saban was in him. I think he also was just not seeing things as well as he should have or could have. You know, it was all, it was all, he just looked like a rookie, basically. Um, I could see him take a jump, in his sophomore season, his second season, but if the Giants are going to give Daniel Jones a try in a year three, we can give to a, a like he did go yeah. six and three as a rookie after coming off a devastating hip injury, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" I'm not giving up on two. I, I am just tempering my expectations for Fuller a little bit. So, do you like Fuller or Galladay? I would take Galladay. I think over Fuller. Fuller's just a huge yeah. risk. Fuller was the he he was the wide receiver eight last year for context in half PPR. The previous question for Fuller per was, game was, will he be on the field? Because generally speaking, when he's on the field and he doesn't have nagging hamstring injuries, he always produces, at least in bunches. And now it's like, will he be on the field? And what will his role be? At least before we knew he was on Monster when he was there. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep rolling here. <laughs> this is a quick one. The Rams signing Deshaun Jackson. Uh, mm. The morning after, this doesn't really work, but this is just like the guy who's <laughs> just kind of living in the past. He shows up to the pregame in 2021. He's playing Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO. <laughs> That's and we're like, yeah, man. Super specific. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that song was good in 2012, but... Uh, well, it's, it's, no, they're not throwbacks. It's like they're just not throwbacks yet. They're neither here nor... Yes. <laughs> tweeters. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that. I mean, that song is good. We all, we all like it, but... No one's putting that on now. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's 35. I guess this solves the Matt Stafford needs a deep threat problem. But he hasn't played many games in the last two years of his career. I don't know. I wish they did something cooler, to be honest. I think he fits what they need. I'm not going to be very excited about him in fantasy because I don't. I think he's going to be super boomer bust. You know what I mean? Big play here and there, a couple targets a game. But he's going to be like the fourth target on that team, if maybe fifth. <laughs> Would you rather the Rams have signed to Deshaun Jackson or John Ross? Oh, that's a good question. Definitely John Ross. Well, it's, I'm so <laughs> oh. torn because John Ross, because it would piss Heifetz off, but it pissed Heifetz off more that they that he signed with the Giants. So yeah. I guess I'm happy that this happened 
what what happened happened because it was funny or laughing at Heifetz, you know, I think the Giants the signing John Ross. Difference is I don't want either of these players in fantasy because you're never going to yeah. know. Like, they're not going to be predictable in any form, both for John Ross and Deshaun Jackson. I just wish they got, like, even, like, Tyrell Williams or, like, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I just want somebody who's, like, not 35 and super injury-prone to be the deep threat for the Rams. Yeah. I think I think you're right. Like, they're just five years too late. Like, it would have been fun to have Deshaun Jackson with the Lions when Stafford was peak. I think that the one thing, though, is Party Rock is old enough to be a throwback, so I don't think that's quite the analogy. I'm trying to think of a song that's, like, tweener. Like, um, what's that fun song? Like, tonight, I can't sing. That song's older than Party Rock Anthem. Is it? <laughs> yes. Are you talking about the song by Fun? Yeah. Yeah, We Are Young by Fun, I think is the name. Let me, let me that see. That song's older yeah. than Party Rock? <laughs> uh, let me see. That, so that song came out in 2012. Yeah. Party it's pretty Rock's old. Like 09, right? Party Rock came out in 2011. Oh, all right. All right, so I guess they're the same thing, functionally. The point is... Yeah. Okay, that's not important. Sean <laughs> Jackson's old. He's 34-year-old speed threat. That's the problem. Who was injury prone five years ago? Wait, actually, real quick. Wait, do we think the Rams are going to be good? Do you like, like the Stafford thing happened? Everyone's excited. Now that we've calmed down, speaking of being sober, like we were drunk off the Stafford. What do we think about the Rams this year? I'm excited about them. From a fantasy point of view, I think Stafford has a chance to give all the basically Cup, Woods, um, even Higby potentially have a much higher ceiling than they would have with Goff. I don't think yeah. Goff is very good. <laughs> I think Stafford I don't think so is good. Either. I think this will be a really fun team. Yeah. It could take a minute to get them, like, to get him ingrained in that offense. You know what I mean? But the ceiling is so much higher, I think, with, with Stafford under center. The way we felt about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last season is the way I'm going to feel about Cam Akers this season. Mm. Like, I'm going to have him, like, fifth on the board. <laughs> fifth. I just think Stafford is like a really fun player to watch and Lions fans know this. And I think that it'll actually be kind of cool to see like the Rams and like LA obviously has like a glitzy glamour thing. And like Stafford's a much more like just plays no matter what guy. I'm just kind of excited to see him on the team. It'll be fun. Okay. Let's keep rocking here. What else we got? We got Washington football team signing Curtis Samuel. And this, I don't know if this one really makes any sense, but it was basically the college buddy comes to town and you guys go hard because he and Terry <laughs> McLaurin, freshman year roommates, they talked about this in the dorms. Then they meet up however many years later, six years, seven years later, five years. I don't know how long it's been, um, but that's the point. Is- it doesn't matter because you know what? It feels like no, no time has gone by. You know, you just hit the ground running again. Yeah, you know in all those movies, like like in college, like the last day of college, and they're like, in 10 years, we're all going to come back to this spot, and we're all going to meet. Well, yeah. it actually happened this time. And Haskins was there too, but then, you know, he went a little too hard. <laughs> he had oh, to figure man. some stuff out. What's he doing now? He's in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, we don't, we don't know what he's Western doing. Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, drive. So, he's starting a company or something? I don't know. The thing that hasn't been explained to me is why strippers were at the girlfriend's birthday party. That's all I want to know. Where's the reporting on that? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> the The question I have for Curtis Samuel is obviously he's like really exciting as a player. He's extremely athletic. Do we like the idea of Curtis Samuel or like him as a player? Is this yeah. ever going to be a thing? I think we. I get what you're saying, but I think we like him as a player. Last year, he played 300 less snaps than the year prior, and he had 30 more catches this year. But that's just a different offense, though. I'm just saying. Like, I mean, he, he's greatly improved. He's like a legitimate piece of the offense. And like Joe Brady figured out how to use him. And I think that Washington can too, especially with Fitz. I think the Fitz thing is is big. I'm just worried that this is a better story on paper than in reality. What do you think, DK? 
I think it might be a better real life asset than a fantasy asset. That's kind of like Deshaun, but without yeah. Is, what do you say, think? What do you What do you think is his ceiling? I think he has like a wide receiver wide receiver two ceiling. I think he's a really high ceiling. Don't get me wrong. I'm not betting against the talent. It's just there are some guys that have a, a athleticism that's so tantalizing that there's a built in hype to the draft stock. And that it just makes it really hard to get a value or for that player to ever reach their potential from a fantasy perspective. Deshaun Jackson's kind of the perfect example. They're not like the same player, but it's kind of like Deshaun Jackson's such an exciting idea that like every year he would go like 60th or so in fantasy drafts. And he was like never worth that. Obviously, that's different because there's injuries. But Curtis Samuel is just like, wow, athleticism, he'll break out. And he just he just keeps on not breaking out. And at some point, he's, it's yeah, kind of like, he's also still young. I mean, he's he a young, young player. It's true. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's the quarterback, so. Is there any world where you could see Curtis Samuel being the Godwin, like the post-hype breakout guy? You know what I mean? Because like for a long time, everyone was like, oh yeah, Chris Godwin, he's going to be awesome. Chris Godwin, he's going to be awesome. And it didn't really happen until it did happen. Is there a chance? He's 24 years old. But he's not going to be post-hype. That's what I mean, I'm he's saying. He's like one year he's younger. Hype, than, hype, hype. He's like one year younger than, or two years younger than McLaurin. He had a thousand yards and five touchdowns last year. I mean, he wasn't bad. All right, maybe I'm just a hater. Am I a hater? Did that happen? No, to I don't me? think you're. You're, Hi, Mitch, you're not a hater? a hater. I don't think you're a hater because I think it's it's valid that look. There's a concern that going to Washington under Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, they had him in Carolina and couldn't figure out how to use him. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's not good. In theory, they learned their lesson. But there is like, I think there's a legit concern that they just don't end up using him to maximize his fantasy potential. I think he, like, like Craig was saying, he's a, he's a good football player. I think they're going to use him schematically. That's interesting, but maybe he won't be a high end fantasy guy. Yeah. And I, I am being a hater. I'm just worried that there's Tavon Austin tendencies. Nothing is Tavon mm. Austin. I'm just like better idea, like a better idea than like actual productive player. But having said that he had a thousand yards, I don't know. I'm, Tavon Austin never did that. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Flipping other end of the spectrum here. We got the Cardinals signing AJ Green and JJ Watt. We just have like the guy who just spends all night talking to Cougars near the bar. <laughs> that is the Cardinals. I think yeah. Cliff Kingsbury wants to be the youngest player on the team. That's my <laughs> prediction. So, so JJ Watt's 32 years old. AJ Green's 32 years old. Rod, they traded for Rodney Hudson for the from the Raiders. He will turn 32 in July. And they re-signed Marcus Golden instead of Hassan Reddick. Golden turns 31 in like two weeks. It's just, it's a lot of money. To a lot of guys who like were like Pro Bowl worthy like seven years ago, and that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> I, I, it's like individual. Well, 
I think the weirdest one's actually not green. It's J.J. Watt getting a lot of guaranteed money, even though like other pass rushers went for a lot less. Um, but A.J. Green for six million bucks, it's just it's I like A.J. Green. It's just it's just odd, to be honest with you. I think the A.J. Green thing is by far the weirdest one. I don't the, the Watt one I get like they're kind of backing themselves in a corner. They have to be good this year. If they don't get if they don't get good, I think Cliff has a chance of getting fired or at least like getting on the hot seat. Rodney Hudson still playing well. That one made a ton of sense to me. Marcus Golden, I think, is a good role player. The AJ Green one, I'm just that is to me like, what did you see on tape that made you think he's going to come here and be like this difference maker? He's going to come in and be a guy that elevates our offense. You're giving him six million dollars. Juju got eight. Exactly. And like the thing about I mentioned Gettleman, and obviously one of my fears with the Giants is that Gettleman will get fired and that he's doing this because he thinks he'll get fired and he's trying to make the team win right. now more than like right. build a long-term plan. Low-key, the Cardinals are kind of like that too because their GM, Steve Kime. Do not forget that Steve Kime was on the hot seat, drafted Josh Rosen. The Cardinals with Josh Rosen were basically one of the five worst offenses of all time by like many, almost any metric. Yeah. And then they were so bad that he broke through like the void and then got the number one pick and then dumped Rosen for Kyler Murray and then basically saved his job, brings in Cliff Kingsbury, buys himself more time. But now if there's the sense that he's like screwing up like Kyler Murray's deal, like what's the evidence that Steve Kime can kind of build this team other than like the Bruce Arians years? And that seems more Bruce Arians than Steve Kime. So I, I, I actually do think that these signing all these older guys, it's more than just like a funny thing of, oh, they're all 32 and older. It's more like, is he worried for his job security? Which again, that's such a death spiral for teams because then you just bring in a regime. The first year or two is cleaning up the other guy's mess. The next two years, you have success or not, and it's a whole thing repeats. Kind of this just makes me think of the Steelers who like never change their coach or GM. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it kind of makes sense even during the bad years. At least like changeover and, and like firing guys, bringing guys in, trying to change the culture and all that's so much more difficult than just like the cyclical nature of ha having a good team. You know what I mean? Like it's just the NFL just pushes everybody to eight and eight. Like if you find a good coach, stick with them for a while. Put it this way. The Steelers have had three coaches since Richard Nixon was president. That is just mind boggling. The Ravens had one GM for their entire existence. 96 until last year, Ozzie Smith retires and the guy who replaces him is Eric DaCosta, who was there for like the entire time as his number two Lieutenant. He was like an the succession plan. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. in that same time period where the Ravens and Steelers had like one GM, two GMs combined for like 20 years, the Browns had like 10 general managers <laughs> and they had like 14 coaches. The Ravens had like two coaches. Steelers had two coaches for like the 21st century and the Browns were at like literally 13. Imagine if the CEO of your company changed every 18 months. It's, in it's insanity. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. Speaking of the Ravens. Yeah, you know, the Ravens, we can keep it quick. They were just like, the guy who showed up had a drink and then hit the Irish goodbye. And then I was like, wait, did Jeff leave? <laughs> they signed Kevin Zeitler and he left with one vodka soda? <laughs> Stay a while. Have a wide receiver. Get two of them. Are you guys, are, this is off topic. Are you guys Irish goodbye people? Or do you like to like make a scene of it and get hugs from everybody? And, you know, obviously back in the real world when people- The latter, I love attention. Uh, the that really makes a lot of sense. Not getting attention is crazy to me. I'm a big Irish goodbye type of person really? like that to, checks out that yeah. i get that fat of you like to if you say goodbye you get like 10 guilt trips in a row oh because people are like stay and you're like well no. the thing is is i'm never leaving early so i don't really have the decision <laughs> you party animal <laughs> okay <laughs>
Fair enough. That's a whole different discussion, Craig. If I leave, I get up on the <laughs> kitchen table and I do a five-minute set. They have to kick you out. That's really yeah. insane. You're going to need a wrecking ball, which is what <laughs> you, you, you posted. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. They didn't need a wrecking ball. They tried to remove him from the building. He's like, let me back in. <laughs> oh, my God. The exact opposite situation. Uh, okay, so moving on. I think this will be like one of the last couple. Uh, I called this the Wounded Soldiers section. Basically, it's like when you wake up, there's just a bunch of empties and you have to try and figure out like, you know, who didn't drink their beer or whatever. The Titans and the Lions. Who is the Lions' number one receiver now that Kenny Galladay's gone, Marvin oh, wow. Jones is gone? They signed Brashad Perriman and T- Tyrell Williams. See, those are two guys I wish the Rams got. I kind of think these are savvy football moves because it's like it gets you to where you want to be. You're not going to compete this year, but it makes you so you're not completely just like worthless, terrible offense. Um, and they're not like breaking the bank. It's not going to hurt their long-term cap or anything like that. But I'm absolutely not excited about the Lions offense whatsoever. I think it's going to be, it's potentially going to be terrible, right? Or do you do it feel like that's too much of a reaction? No, I think, I think it has a chance to be a bottom three offense in the league. Yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see what they do in the draft. But honestly, their number one receiver when your options are Rashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams, I think the answer is T.J. Hawkinson. And like my favorite thing when you're looking for a right. tight end sleeper is like you should ask the question: Could this guy lead his team in receiving yards? You know what I'd like to look up though: How often is the tight end that's the only good player on his offense actually awesome in fantasy? Like, do tight ends need to be around other good players, or is there ever like a shitty team with a great tight end and he's just like the tight well, end? It depends. Too. Like Darren Waller. I mean, you could argue whether the Raiders receivers are good, but like, I mean, I think Darren Waller. That's qualifies, a good. Right? Yeah, he's the guy who point. elevated. Like, it's Kelsey's the real number one in Kansas City. Kittle's the number one in San Francisco, and those guys are obviously great. And then who's the one who's ascended? Ertz was the number one for the Eagles. There was talent around <laughs> him, so that doesn't fit your criteria, but he's the number one. And then Darren Waller's the number one, but he didn't really have the talent around him. And it's not like the yeah, Raiders offense was lighting it up. And I think that Hawkinson, the best case scenario for him is he could fill out is like he's the number one because the other athletic guys like Noah Fan or whatever, there's a lot of talent around Noah Fan. But like Hawkinson, just for volume purposes, I mean... It's kind of intriguing. This is kind of making me excited about Hawkinson, actually. And maybe Swift. Maybe, maybe they get Swift, uh, DeAndre Swift involved in the passing game a little bit. Um, my voice just cracked a little bit. Did you hear that? I'm trying to drink a little water. Yeah. Just still well, catching up. You're you know, hungover. Source of all I mean, no light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, my, when my voice cracked, Craig just leaves it in and puts it in as the cold open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple more to address here. Who is Tennessee's number two? I think we can get really excited about A.J. Brown, obviously, with Corey Davis leaving, Johnny Smith leaving. Um, they signed Josh Reynolds. They signed Anthony Ferkser, re-signed Anthony Ferkser. And those guys basically replaced Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. Davis had 92 targets last year. Johnny had 65 targets in 15 games. So are these two guys that we need to start getting kind of like interested and excited in? Or are we just thinking A.J. Brown or no. Bust? And as someone who actually has gotten very excited about Josh Reynolds in the in the past, <laughs> when you're like excited about Josh Reynolds in March 23rd, go outside, like take a walk, get some sunlight, you need more vitamin D. Pedialyte. At the absolute maximum, you can be excited about Josh Reynolds like week seven and like you need to fill in and he's around. Like, like Josh Reynolds. That's fair. Yeah. Not an exciting player. I also think they'll just draft someone, honestly. Ferkser is going to be this year's Herndon. I think people are people are going to be excited about him. The correct pronunciation sounds like you're saying it wrong, which I enjoy. So let's say you have AJ Brown in a dynasty league. Do you feel better or worse about him now? Better? That's a good question. I think. No, I actually think worse because I think Corey Davis is the really rare num- receiver who is skilled as skilled as a number one, 
but doesn't is not out here beating his chest for targets. And I do think he draws more attention than the average bear at number two. It's just kind of the same Hawkinson question. It's like, do you like it when your guy is the only guy? Like, is that a good thing? Well, it comes down to the design of the offense. And like, yeah. when it was Shanahan with the Falcons and like Julio Jones is getting like 205 targets or whatever, who cares? It's fine. It's like, it's working. But the real problem for the Titans, I'm not concerned about the number two. I'm concerned that Arthur Smith is not running this offense anymore. And like, are, is Tannehill going to be running Tannehill? Like, the, again, we keep talking about this. That is the real variable. Yeah. Mahal, like, if you just, if you just go on pro football reference and you do like the advanced search and you just like type in from when Tannehill took over the job to now, and you sort by any important efficiency stat, yards per attempt or any advanced thing, it's like Mahomes and then like Ryan Tannehill. It's crazy. <laughs> like all of yeah. these stats. And like Arthur Smith kind of took his ball and went to Atlanta. So it's like, should you be excited about A.J. Brown or should we be more excited about Julio because they're going to be in this offense? I don't know. Is he going to do to Matt Ryan what he did to Tannehill? I don't know. I think, bottom line, more targets for AJ Brown can only be a good thing. That dude is okay. a, that dude just he's so good. Get him more targets, let him go to work. I think he's I think he's gonna be awesome this year. Again, he said on Instagram Live when he was all doped up after surgery, he was told he was out for the season after week two and then just played at a thousand yards anyway. It's pretty <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Love that That's guy. All I do to hear. Okay. Last one. Last, are we talking about the Falcons right now? Are we really gonna do this? No, the, the last well, I was gonna say before the last one, the penultimate, Mike Davis signed a two-year $5.5 million deal with <laughs> what the are Falcons. We doing? Depth chart for the Falcons right now. Edo Smith, Quadre Allison, and someone named Tony Brooks James. Dude, when Yikes. DK doesn't know the player, that is like such a problem. <laughs> that's a made-up name. I think that's a law firm. Do we it's like <laughs> Are we gonna so if they don't draft a guy, I think I'm ready to get excited about Mike Davis again. I, oh. I first of all, this is like the Josh Reynolds thing on steroids. If you're excited about Mike Davis in March, then it's like Chase no. volume, baby. Chase volume and there, chase uncertain backfields. There's no uncertain. They're gonna draft someone. Also, you slacked me this morning. Then we signed Todd Gurley before they go into this step chart. You slacked me this morning trying to claim victory that when you said <laughs> Todd Gurley would be out of the league in 2021. I'm taking a victory lap, baby. It's been yeah, two weeks. Take your lap. Just take a lap in general. <laughs> Todd Gurley is going to be the co-host of this podcast with us come September. Todd Gurley. Do you th how, how do you think Todd Gurley would react to your take that running, all running backs are equally fine, except for four? First of all, it's not Craig. It's not really Craig's take. It's, 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 he just rebranded it. Craig co-opted it. Yeah. That's co it's the NFL's take, really. It's you sad. appropriated the take from football <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Really yes, I suppose um, he did. He really did. Uh, no, now to the real last one, Craig. Give, it, give us the last one. Yeah, so the Colts pretty much just signed no one, which we liken <laughs> yeah. to the guy who just didn't show up and decided to stay home. You know, everyone's like texting, when are you guys leaving? He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to grab an Uber soon. You're all at the bar, you have your first drink. And then he sends the text, yeah, guys, I think I'm actually going to stay. Yeah, he texts like, be there in five, but he's actually just watching Drive to Survive on Netflix. Yeah, he's like, actually guys, like I kind of don't feel that great. I had a long day. Like I think I'm going to stay home. Cool. There, I want to talk about the Colts, but I also have a question for you. So you know how like things are going to open up in our society and then everyone's going to like go back out and it's going to be really fun. Yeah. How long until everyone stops doing that and just like, actually, I like being at home better. Quarantine was kind of nice. I give it three weeks until people stop taking plans. I think we're going to have to learn to be kind of social again. It's like we broke our legs and we have to relearn <laughs> how to walk. Like I actually think it's going to be tough to just be thrown right into a giant bar with a million people everywhere and like um, trying to acclimate yourself. But 
I think we're going to be entering the Roaring Twenties. You know, we're back. Roaring Twenties round two. I think people are just going to go nuts. I don't know if in the Roaring Twenties you could just do all the fun shit at home and then go to bed at ten. Like I don't know. I'm kind of like I, part of me. Does you can do all the fun shit at home. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I kind of think it'll be three weeks and people are just going to like go a back. A Zoom happy out. hour is like ten percent so. as good as hanging out in person. I don't buy it, Hyphus. I think people are going to go buck wild. <laughs> Dude, look at Miami. Miami yeah. is going insane. That's going to be the whole fucking country. I mean, in fairness, half the country just didn't even stop, stop really. In the first place. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> point. Maybe I'm over But I think here. the other half, the people that have been, are just going to go buck wild. It's but the cults are the version of the team that were like, I'm not seeing anyone. I don't leave my house. I'm the shut in. And like, we get everything <laughs> delivered and we wipe everything down on the counter. And like, they haven't done anything. And so basically, this is actually what winning free agency looks like, right? Everyone forgets about you. Well, I don't know. It could, I mean, could be. could be. It's not doing nothing. It's doing the right amount. And the Colts did nothing. I mean, they kind of need a wide receiver. They need help on their offensive line. And like, I don't know. Now they have Carson Wentz. And the funny thing to me about the Colts is Chris Ballard, their GM, just seems intent on addressing every problem non traditionally. Quarterback. It's like, they, they're just going to like sign Rivers because he's old and like play with the coach. And now they're doing the Wentz trade. Like they get their best def defensive player with DeForest Buckner. And they like they trade a first round pick for like a defensive tackle and sign with like this Aaron Donald money. It's like it, none of the moves are bad. It's just not one thing they've really done is like, quote unquote, normal roster building, which I kind of like. But it also makes it perplexing to look at what their plan is. They traded for, for DeForest Buckner last year with their first rounder. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. It is. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. They've done really well in the draft. Like <clears throat> their draft picks have hit. He's been very successful. Ballard has at, at identifying talent, kind of fitting it to their team. So maybe they just like think this is one of our core competencies. We're going to stick with that instead of trying to like go have adventures in free agency. Um, maybe that's kind of like what they're thinking. Or I, I'm not sure. Here's here's my question for you. Let's just assume they draft a receiver in like the second round or third round. Like some yeah, fill an average receiver X whatever rookie where are you drafting Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor this year let's start with Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor is still going to be high even though they did resign Marlon Mack I think he'll, he'll still be I don't know first round probably pretty easily right I think he, it takes the wind out of his sails a little bit but I think he's the new Josh Jacobs kind of thing really he's gonna just yeah I think he's gonna be in like that late first round every year and there's gonna be a group of people who think he's a top three guy and then a group who will think he's like top 25 guy and he'll just hover. I think it'll be a first round. I think it's going to be hard to like not have his first round. The question is, do you even draft Wentz in one quarterback leagues? Probably not, right? Well, it's the culture just so weird, man. Like the last three years, like they've just been right on the cusp, like a few moves away from like being a Super Bowl team. And I don't necessarily think they got closer in the last year. I kind of believe in the Colts, to be honest. Yeah, I do. I just, again, it's, I, I, I just, I just, and believing in the team that's like, yeah, 2020 sucked and like Carson Wentz just comes out on fire and is like a borderline MVP candidate end of September. Just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I just think it works. I just don't like a lot of their offensive talents here. I mean, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, and Jack Doyle. That's, that's See, your they should have came out to the bar. Just come out for like an hour and then go back home. It's like, it's not even <laughs> yeah. that far. Like, just come out. It's a just beautiful have day. one just drink, walk, man. It's not even cold. <laughs> like, just, just, you know. Just we haven't out. seen each other in a year. Just come out. It's on Netflix. The whole point is you can watch it whenever you want. <laughs> nah, dude. Yeah, I got, I'm going to watch Yellowstone. Season exactly. three's out. Okay. So, I think, all right. So, that's the hangover. Uh, pro days? Want to talk about pro days? No. Nah. 
Yeah, fucking pro days. Who cares about pro days? I can't. I mean, I'm a draft guy, and even I'm like bored talking about pro days. Can yeah. we Irish goodbye the pro days? Yeah, let's, let's do, do that. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, TK. Thanks, Craig. Um, thanks to whoever organized the pro days. I'm sure you worked very hard. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Queen. Oh, okay. okay. All right. I thought you were going to go LMFAO, but oh, them, I guess. Yeah, shit. Fun. Damn it. See you guys next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.